Our scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Again, our scripture reading today is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. You may now be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Dennis, one of the pastors here, and I'll say it is very good to see you. My notes say to say that it's a joy to be with you all, but I have to admit it's a, it's a little strange, okay? It, fe- it feels a little bit like going to uh, a high school reunion, and you just kind of awkwardly are standing there looking man, they really look different, or I haven't seen them in a long time. So uh, I remember being struck the first time during the pandemic that I was with people. I think it was in October, the first time I really gathered with a group of people. And just thinking how, this is going to sound really strange, but how three-dimensional everyone seemed, you know, like they're eyelashes are actually poking out and their ears are sort of protruding in comparison with Zoom, which feels so flat and so colorless and really kind of so relationless as well. It's a contrast. There's something uh, almost, this is high school philosophy or college philosophy, platonic about it a little bit, right? All you see are these shadows on the screens and then suddenly you come and you're able to see one another face to face. It reminds me actually of some of the writings of C.S. Lewis and how he expresses that the world that we are in currently actually feels like the Shadowlands, feels like the longing for something which is to come. This is sort of right, but sort of not right. This is what he says in his essay, The Weight of Glory. He says this, he says, at the present, this is sort of what Zoom life is like, we're on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and the purity of the morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle. He's speaking of our faith in this life. We cannot mingle with the splendors that we see, but all the leaves, listen to this little promise, All the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. So I'm glad for the brothers and sisters that are here this morning. And it feels like, yes, we're here. And yet it also feels like 
we're on the outside of a door that we need to be let into. And what I want to preach to you about today, proclaim to you today, might be called this, the unparalleled hope of the resurrection. And you can think of it this way. You may have seen one of those black and white movies that then is colorized. The resurrection intentionally changes every aspect of our lives, almost like giving color to something that was black and white before. It is multidimensional in its hope. And I'm just going to speak to you very briefly from the passage about four different kinds of hope or four aspects of hope. The fact that our hope is a living hope, that it is an unfading hope, that it is a persevering hope, and that it's a personal hope. So I'm going to ask you to bow with me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we greet you this morning. We thank you for this day. We think of the scriptures which say, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable are his ways. Lord, show us your depth and your riches in the resurrection today. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I was so much younger and so inexperienced when I rode my bicycle to the downtown of the suburban neighborhood that my wife, my now wife, my then girlfriend lived in and made my way to what was called S.G. Nelson Jewelers. And I felt completely overwhelmed, not even out of college yet, looking at all of these jewels around me and trying to make sense of how I was going to spend all of my hard-earned money to make some lifelong commitment that I couldn't even fathom. And then the jeweler began to speak to me about how to value a diamond with its cut and its clarity. You know these four C's, right? And its color and its weight or how many carats it is. And it began to sink into me how worthy of an investment this was that I was to make. What I want to show you in the first sort of facet of the text is the living hope that the resurrection provides for us. So if you have a Bible, just keep it open there. Listen to what it says in verse 3. Peter exclaims, this is the Apostle Peter writing to a people that are dispersed, Jews that are dispersed, and Christians called elect exiles dispersed throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And he explodes with this praise that is rooted in his hope in the resurrection. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, according to his great mercy, he has, what has he done? He has caused us to be born again. He's caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you hear that? Nothing could be plainer than that from the text. What the resurrection gives us is a certain kind of hope. It's not an inert hope. It's not a stillborn hope. It's not a dying hope. It's not an inanimate hope. It is not an extinct hope. It is a living hope. Why is the hope of the resurrection a living hope? The hope of the resurrection is a living hope because it is founded in a living Lord. So when Mary came to the tomb... 
Her heart was ignited with hope because the one she thought who had died was actually alive and her hope had already been placed in that one. I don't know if you felt what we were saying before when we sang. See what a morning, gloriously bright, with the dawning of hope in Jerusalem. Folded the grave clothes, tomb filled with light, as the angels announce Christ is risen. Which is to say, he's alive. Which means that our hope can be alive. So let me just ask you, friends. Where's your hope today? Very simply. Or Put differently, how alive is your hope today? This is unparalleled hope, and we recognize, as it has already been said, that this year has been filled with trials. This year has been filled with too many tears for any of us to count or to bottle up. But friends, we have a living hope because we have a living Lord. So Holy Trinity, may this be our cry, what Peter says here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's caused us to be born again. We're born anew to a living hope. Second thing that comes from the text, the second facet of unparalleled resurrection hope is that we have not just a living hope, but an unfading hope. This is what it says in, in verse 4. We are, are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then listen to where our hope is also anchored, verse 4, to an inheritance. These three words, hear them, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. This is an unfading hope. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter's saying is not only do we have a living hope, but we have a lasting hope. I mean, I like bananas and everything, but the problem with them is that they fade. They go bad. Our world is given to decay. Cars can rust. Brakes go bad. Soldiers pass away. Shoulders need surgery. Achilles tendons will rupture, dollar bills fade, paintings fade, the grass fades, people fade away. Saw an interview this week with the one and only hilarious Ricky Gervais, the creator of the British version of The Office, and I haven't seen his new show, The Afterlife, but he has finished writing the third season and the interviewer was saying hey it's been 20 years since the office launched and so many people have been affected by it and they started talking about his cat Oliver dying um, and then he says flatly Ricky does he says that well the interviewer says speaking of death says it's normal to fear death to be to fear being dead and he says I don't fear death I don't fear being dead. I won't know about it. That's the best thing about being dead, he says. You won't know about it. And then tongue-in-cheek, he says, it's like being stupid. It's painful only for other people, not for you. He says, I, won't, I don't worry about how I die. I don't want to die in pain or lonely or falling on a spike, but I don't believe in any afterlife, and I don't think there is anything to fear after death. He feels peaceful about it. Now, just to pause and reflect, he's a wonderful man. 
But his hope is actually a dying hope. His hope is actually a fading hope. That's where his hope is, that there will be some kind of perishing that has no resurrection to it. And I'll just say to those who are listening today, if you're a skeptic, do you have a, a hope that is perishing? Or do you have a hope that is unfading, permanent? There's a logic in this passage, which is this. If the inheritance that is going to come to us is imperishable, then we also must be imperishable. If the inheritance that is to come to us is undefiled, then we also must be undefiled. And this is what the new birth does through faith, is make us radically undefiled because of the righteousness of Jesus that is given to us. Because our inheritance is unfading, we also must be unfading. And this is, in fact, what the idea is in verse 23 of chapter 1. It says, since you have been born again, not of an, a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. That is what gives us this life imperishable. Tim Keller has a new book out on, on Easter and the resurrection, and he makes a really interesting point there in one of his chapters. He says the resurrection means, well, he actually says that this is something he should have learned long ago, but it wasn't until seminary in preparation for ministry that he learned something that he should have learned as a new believer. He says the resurrection was indeed a miraculous display of God's power. And then here's the phrase I want you to hear. But we should not see it as a suspension of the natural order. Rather, hear this. It was the beginning of the restoration of the natural order of the world. In other words, yeah, entropy continues on. And the resurrection is not merely the suspension of entropy it is the first sign of the reversal of the destruction of the world. In other words, that's why he's called the first fruit of the resurrection. He's the first domino, so to speak, to fall. And it's a promise that if this one can rise from the dead, all can rise from the dead. And if this one can rise from the dead, then all of creation actually can be renewed. That as Lewis says, we can go from outside the door to the inside of the door. Keller goes on, he says, the Bible's startling message is that when Jesus rose, he brought the future kingdom of God into the present. It's not here fully, but it is here substantially. In other words, your faith, your hope can be permanent because the inheritance which you are going to receive, which is secured by the resurrection of Jesus, is permanent. So I just challenge you this morning to seize that living hope and seize that lasting hope. The next thing I want you to see is how long-suffering or persevering this hope is in trial. Listen to how comforting verses 6 and 7 are. It says, in this, that is, in this inheritance, in this hope, in this unfading inheritance, you rejoice, though now for a little while, this is a concession, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Listen to that admission one more time. Now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Is there, is there any better description of the last 53 weeks? No, of a man who 
had to bury both of his parents who had COVID. Some of you have turned on the trial of Derek Chauvin this week, seen a nine-year-old, say, testifying. Some have felt the trauma of what happened last May, having to relive it again. Some of you have seen an Asian woman, elderly woman on video kicked and beaten because of the hardness of this world and the hardness of our hearts. Is there anyone in the room, is there anyone listening within the hearing of my voice who has not been grieved, not just by one trial, but by various trials? That's what he says. Peter, who denied Jesus, who himself wept, but what Peter is saying is that our hope causes us to persevere in the midst of the trial so that our faith is actually purified. Listen to what he says in verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes. Some things will perish, but not your faith. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is my prayer. For this church, for the church in Chicago, that in the midst of the horror of the many trials of this city, the injustice, that your faith might be purified and made more precious. Listen to what John Bunyan, author of Pilgrim's Progress, was, was uh, locked up for 12 years in jail. He wrote about 52 books, this man that was... Uh, unlettered. He was not educated in the university. And he writes to his congregation uh, and trying to encourage them to persevere in the hope that they have. He says, thus I have, this is like the postscript of a book he wrote, in a few words written to you before I die, a word to provoke you to faith and holiness because I desire that you may have the life that is laid up for all them that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another when I am deceased. He's saying that suffering actually purifies faith. The suffering that you have makes your faith more like Jesus' faith and his life who also suffered for you. So Peter, whose faith was severely tested, who denied Jesus, who was grieved by his own sins, saw his faith emerge even though tested by fire. Brothers and sisters, it's actually false Christianity that says there shouldn't be any tears in Christianity. That's fake. That's not real. True Christianity is this Christianity that Peter is saying is that you rejoice even in the midst of trials. You have painful trials and yet you are persevering. Like Mary, see Mary weeping, where is he laid? This is Resurrection Sunday. In sorrow, she turns from the empty group tomb. Here's a voice speaking, calling her name. It's the Master, the Lord, raised to life again. Suffering, tears, and triumph mingled together. That's what the Christian life is really like. Living hope, lasting hope. You could call it lamenting hope. And then finally, there's hope that is marked by love or personal hope. And all it really says here is that it's not some abstract idea that you put your hope in. It's a person. 
It's not some philosophical concept that you have your hope rooted in. It's a living person. Listen to what Peter says. Though you have not seen him, and I hope we can say this, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As Lewis was saying earlier, we're on the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and the purity of the morning. And what this text is saying is one day we shall also be fresh and pure when we see him face to face. Dean Ortland in his great little book, Gentle and Lowly, says, in other words, when we come to Christ, we're startled by the beauty of his welcoming heart. The surprise itself is what draws us in. We are drawn to God by the beauty of the heart of Jesus. I, I want the pandemic to end, too. It's a little stir-crazy. If you have kids, it's stir-crazy. If you don't have kids, it's stir-crazy. If you're married, it's stir-crazy. If you're sing- It just, I want it to end, too. I'll just, uh, was on the phone this week or on Zoom this week with somebody who's a grandparent who hadn't seen his kids for a long time, his grandkids or his kids for a long time. And he was like a little bit in shock because he had his vaccines. He was in, sh- in shock at how excited the grandkids were to see him. They were like, he said, they were jumping up and down, so happy to see me. I, he said, it felt like some kind of celebrity when they were coming to him. Imagine from a child's perspective, though, You've been cut off. This letter is written to the dispersed people. People who want to be together but cannot be together. Like a child jumping up and down at a family reunion, seeing one another for the first time in a long, long time. What the resurrection proclaims is that our hope is living because it's this personal hope. That our hope is lasting because it is the resurrected Jesus. That our hope is long-suffering because our hope is in this one Jesus. Can you see him now? No. But there is a day coming when he returns. When we will be like little children. Reunited with those that we have loved for so long. We don't see him. But we love him because he has given us an imperishable hope. Happy Easter, Holy Trinity, Chicago. May you take great joy in the multicolored, multifaceted, unparalleled hope of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give you great thanks for this, our Lord, as Mary saw him, that we will one day see him as well. Lord, in some ways, the the return that you promise seems far off, but bring it near as we meditate on how alive you are this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.